Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of 1 John? We have been journeying through the book of 1 John for several, several Sundays. And we're coming to the fifth chapter. And we are going to be focusing upon verses 6 through verse 13 today. So with your Bibles open, I invite you to stand with me. As we read God's precious, infallible word, would you stand with me? First John chapter 5, and we'll begin reading in verse 6. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness. Because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bears witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bears witness on earth. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God which he has testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given to his Son. And this is the testimony, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. I want you to notice that. That verse of Scripture is so important. Verse 11, let's read it again. And this is the testimony, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life, and he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life, that you may continue to believe In the name of the Son of God. Amen. Verse 13 tells us that you can know without a shadow of a doubt that you have eternal life. Father, thank you so much for your precious word. And Father, for the way that it has already spoken to our hearts. And we pray that the Spirit of the living God who gives testimony of the word, that he will bear witness with us today. And Lord, that you will speak through us and to us that you might be honored and glorified and we might be encouraged and challenged and convicted. And may Christ be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. This past week, I was in a restaurant, 
And as the waiter came by and he was taking our order, I asked him a question. And I said, uh, young man, may I ask you a personal question? He said, sure. I said, well, first of all, I said, uh, do you attend church anywhere? He says, well, I've just moved here and I'm not attending a church anywhere at this particular time. So I, in return, invited him to come to our church and hopefully that he will do that. Then I asked him, I said, I want to ask you, I believe probably one of the most important questions that you will ever answer. He said, oh, what in the world would that question be? I said, if you were to die today, do you know for sure that you would go to heaven and that you'd have eternal life? He stopped and he paused for a moment. He said, boy, he said, that is a very important question, isn't it? He said, I don't know if I've ever thought about that question before. He said, uh, I'm not sure. I said, well, you can know for sure. And I said, the Bible tells us these things that I've written unto you, that if you believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And well, we got in the midst of a conversation in that time, and he says, well, I would love to talk to you about that sometime. He says, but at this particular time, I'm not able to talk with you about that. So hopefully that in the near future that I'm going to be able to talk with this young man. But I thought, my goodness, that question should be asked to every single person. Do you know for sure that if you were to die today, that you would go to heaven and that you would have eternal life. 96% of all Americans say that they believe in God. And they even say that they believe in heaven. The sad thing about that is, is that you can believe in God and believe in heaven and never go to heaven. Sad thing that you can never would never know that you have eternal life. This is a day of uncertainty. Heard about a lady one time. She was coming out of the uh, beauty shop, and her neighbor uh, was passing her by, and she said, Oh, Sally, she said, Is that a wig that you have on? She said, Yes, it is a wig. She said, What do you think of it? She said, Well, I would have never known. This is a day of uncertainty, a day that people are just not sure. I thought that when he answered that question, I thought that question probably is answered that way many, many, many times. I'm not sure. I'm just not sure. USA Today did a survey. And uh, they went across the land and they asked the question, very simple question. Do you know if you're going to heaven? One man says, well, I think it's a 50-50 chance that I'm going to heaven. 
Another guy said, well, I think it's 85% chance that I'm going to heaven. He said, I think I'll pass the entrance exam. He's going to stay up all night long trying to study for that entrance exam. One person said, well, it seems like the older I get, the chances are better. A day of uncertainty. And yet, I am so thankful that through the Word of God, it shares with us an absolute truth about assurance of salvation. John takes this epistle, and he begins to lay down before us the importance of the things of life. heard about a little boy standing on the side of the street corner, and... um, a man was driving by, and he pulled up beside of him. And he said, son, he said, do you know where Route 29 is? The little boy says, no, sir. He says, well, do you know where, what street leads into the city limits? He said, no, sir. He said, well, sir, he said, young man, he said, do you know what street we're on at this particular time? The little boy says, no. Well, finally, the guy just said, well, it seems like you don't know nothing. The little boy says, I know one thing. He said, what is it? He said, I'm lost. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that is coming to an understanding of a person that if they've never accepted Jesus Christ, the greatest truth that they'll ever learn is that they're lost. The wages of sin is death, the Bible says. But the gift of God is eternal life. And so the bad news is, as we talked about last Sunday morning, is that man is lost without the Lord Jesus Christ. But he can be alive in the Lord Jesus Christ by trusting and believing and accepting Christ as Lord and Savior. And that is so important that not only to know that, but to have that that eternal assurance. Sad to say there's a lot of Christians are walking around today and thinking that salvation is based upon feelings. I feel good today and I'm saved. I feel bad tomorrow and I'm lost. Well, my friend, salvation is not based upon feelings, and I'm so grateful to know that it's not based upon feelings. Feelings are like a roller coaster, up and down, down and out. But, oh, my friend, it's based upon a fact, and it's based upon faith in the Word of God. What John does here, John, he is describing to us the assurances of salvation. As I look at this passage of Scripture, I may sound a little bit of arrogant when I might say this, but I want you to know I am 100% sure that when I die, I'm going to heaven. And I want you to know that. I don't want one single person to walk out the doors of this, 
this place today wondering and questioning about the possibility whether they're saved or whether they're not saved. So what John does, John lays down before us here in this passage of Scripture, he gives to us three assurances of our salvation. Now let's look at them very closely. First of all, as you begin to study verse 6, you'll begin to notice that he begins to talk about the work of the Savior. If you have your bulletin on the back side, there's an outline. And I'm going to invite you to walk along with me as we look through these passages of Scriptures and find this, these three assurances of salvation that John describes to us. The work of the Savior. He tells us in verse 6, listen to this. This is a strange verse. If you'd pick up ten commentaries, you'd probably get ten different answers. And so what we're going to do, we're going to go to the one that wrote it and to get the answer of what he is describing. But I want you to listen to what he says in verse 6. He says, this is he who came by water and blood. What in the world is he talking about? We understand the blood. But he's talking about the water and the blood. Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. And the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is truth. Well, we go to John and say, John, what in the world are you talking about? I think he would then... have us to turn to John chapter 19. In John chapter 19, the gospel of John chapter 19, verses 33 and 34, he describes exactly what he's talking about. Listen to what he says. But when they came to Jesus and they saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear. And immediately, the Bible says, blood and water came out. John is talking about the crucifixion. That's exactly what John is talking about. He's talking about when the Roman soldier, as he went up before the three crosses, he went to the right and he took a hammer and he broke the legs of that thief. He went to the left and he broke the legs of that thief that was on the left. And then he went to the middle, which was, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ. And there I can almost imagine he took his hammer and was getting ready to sling that hammer to break the legs of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he stopped. For some unknown reason, he stopped. I say it was an unknown reason. No, I think it was the holy hand of God that stopped him. Because the prophet of Isaiah, 750 years earlier, said that the legs and the bones would not be broken. So immediately what he did, he took a spear. 
And he thrust it into the side of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he did that, the Bible says, from his heart, gersh, blood, and water. Now, what in the world? Well, they tell us that when a man is under a great amount of strain, and especially in the mouth of a violent death, that the heart can literally rupture. And that the red corpuscles and the water of the, around the sack of the heart begins to just literally disperse. My friend, we talk about the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ and we say that the nails is what killed the Lord Jesus Christ. We talk about the whipping and said that the whipping killed the Lord Jesus Christ. We talk about the suffocation that killed the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what I believe that really the results of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ was a broken heart. A broken heart. Here you began to find that there blood and water separated, and Jesus died with a broken heart, sacrificially, but symbolical. There is a symbolical nature here. Listen to what the Bible says as you begin to pick up this verse of Scripture. It says, He who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. I believe he's referring to, of course, to not only the crucifixion, but I think he's also referring to salvation and sanctification. The water refers to sanctification. The blood refers to salvation. You remember as you go back into the Old Testament, the Old Testament priest, there he would go into the tabernacle once a year. And there he would take a calf. And there on that brazen altar, he would pull the neck of that calf back and he would take that dagger and he would slice the throat of that calf. And blood would come cursing forth. And as it would come rushing forth there upon that altar, he was teaching a major biblical truth that you cannot approach God without the shedding of the blood. And so there, of course, speaks about our salvation. But after that, then he would go and he would go to a a basin of water there in the tabernacle. And the water would be running. And there he would wash his hands and he would wash the dagger, signifying that not only that you cannot only approach God without the shedding of the blood, but you must be clean. You must be clean. And so therefore, symbolically here, we're seeing the shedding of the blood. Symbolically here, we're seeing the cleansing of that blood. 
symbolizing the forgiveness of a holy God. In other words, it's not just conversion that God is interested in in your life. He's also interested in cleansing. He's not all, he's not just interested in salvation in your life. He's also interested in sanctifying your life, cleansing your life. And so therefore the blood saves me and the water of the word of God sanctifies me and cleanses me. So you see the picture here. He talked about the sacrificial aspects of it, but also the symbolic aspects of it. But he goes to a a second assurance. He said, first of all, there in verse 6, the work of the Savior, that because of the work of the Savior, we should have that assurance that Christ's work has been done and is finished. And when he said, Telestai, it was paid in full. And therefore, my friend, your salvation is paid in full. And we do not need another Savior. We do not need another crucifixion. We do not need another death because once and once and for all, the price has been paid. But secondly, he says something else that's very interesting in verse 7. He talks about the witness of the Spirit. Listen to what he says in verse 7. For there are three that bears witness. Now we've had the witness of the blood and the witness of the water, but also the witness of the Spirit, he claims to us here. For he says, For there are three that bears witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. Nine times. Here in these few verses of Scripture, John uses the word witness. The importance of a witness. Even though the witness of the Spirit does not supplement the work of God, it does complement the work of God. What he's talking about. Now, what kind of witness is he referring to? He's first of all talking about a witness of reliability. A witness of reliability. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 8. And there are three that bears witness on earth. The spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. In other words, we've spoken about the witness of the water... And we've spoken about the witness of the blood. Now he is now directing our attention to the witness of the Spirit. He says there's that third witness. And I think it's very important, as you'll notice there in verse 6, he speaks of that witness as the Spirit is truth. Have you thought about that? The Spirit is truth. Now, why did he say that? Now, of course, we know 
that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. But he says specifically here in this passage of Scripture, the Spirit is truth. What John is trying to describe to us, he realizes that any good lawyer knows that a witness is only is as good as his reliability. Attorney, uh, attorneys knows this. Attorneys know that they, if they have the law, they'll argue the law. They also know that if they have the, not only the law, but the truth on their side, they'll argue the truth. But if they don't have the law on their side or the truth on their side, what they then will try to do, attack the witness. And they will try to attack the reliability of that witness. Because they know that if they can plant in the jury's mind the seed of doubt, the witness cannot be trusted. He knows he can win the case. John realizes that. And so what he is trying to describe to us here is that the Spirit is truth, the truth of reliability. He is saying to us that Jesus died for us and the Holy Spirit himself gives us that truth. He reminds us and tells us and affirms and confirms that Christ is the Savior. He is the Son of God. And so therefore, what he is saying that we should accept that witness. We should accept the witness of the Holy Spirit. The Bible reminds us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. No man can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. In other words, it is the Holy Spirit of God that comes to you when you're lost. It's the Holy Spirit of God that comes to you and brings to your attention your lostness. But it also, He also brings to your attention that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. He brings to your attention that Jesus Christ is the Savior. He is the Lord. And what He does, He confirms that. And as you by faith accept that, you receive Christ as your Savior and receive Him as your Lord. So He is a witness of reliability. But He's also a witness of revelation. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 9. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his Son. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to cross out if and write the word since. For in the Greek, the word if is not there. But you could write the word since, and you read it this way. Since we receive the witness of men. The witness of men. See, in other words, what he is saying, you're not saved by your head, you're saved by your heart. There's a lot of people today will miss heaven, as I've said so many times, 18 inches. They know all the facts about Christ in their head. 
Why, even the devil knows those facts. And he believes those facts. But it's a matter of trusting in your heart. I remember when I was a little boy. And the night that I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ into my life. Now, as a 10-year-old, I didn't know much about this Bible. But I did know something. And I knew that I was lost. And there was something in my heart that was pointing me to the Lord Jesus Christ. And with childlike faith, I invited Christ into my life. Now, how did all that happen? It happened by the Holy Spirit. It happened by the witness of the Spirit, the witness of revelation. He began to reveal to me the important things of the Christ that I was receiving as my Savior. I think about the time that when Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And you remember what Peter said? Oh, thou art the Christ. Thou art the Christ, the living Lord. Well, you would have thought... And I imagine that Peter probably must have felt that Jesus should have patted him on the back and said, man, what a great answer. But Jesus didn't say that. He said, Peter, you didn't come up on your own by understanding that, but the Father in heaven revealed that to you. It was the Holy Spirit of God that revealed that very fact to Simon Peter. Just like right now, my friend, right there in your heart. As I am speaking and I'm sharing the Word of God, the Holy Spirit of God is revealing that revelation to you. See, friend, I want you to understand, it is an Eternal witness. He is an eternal witness. If the Holy Spirit is a witness from God, then that means I've got to accept Him and accept the the facts by faith. That's why a lot of pseudo-intellects cannot come to grips with salvation. Because they've got to figure it out on their own. And my friend, you can't do that. It is by faith and by the revelation of the Holy Spirit. But he says, if we accept the witness of men by faith. We do that all the time, do we not? We accept the witness of men all the time. I get up in the morning, my wife... She fixes me breakfast. I don't stop and ask her, you eat it first. I wouldn't do that unless we had a fight the night before. (laughs) But I wouldn't do that. Why? I've received the witness of men that everything was going to be all right. I get on an airplane. I don't go to the cockpit. 
And I don't go to the pilot and say, show me your credentials. How many hours of flight time you've logged in? I don't do that. I accept the witness of men. Go to the doctor. He gives you a prescription. You go to the druggist and you take that prescription. And there that prescription is filled. And there you take what you don't know what in the world that medicine is. is in the, You can't even pronounce it. But you take it thinking you're going to get better. Why do you do that? Because of the witness of men. We do it all the time. It's so common. It's so common. And John says that if you do that for the witness of men, why would you not do it for the witness of the Spirit? By faith. We accept His Word. By faith, we receive it. I have accepted that precious eternal witness. But it's an internal witness as well. You say, Pastor, you're pretty bold to stand up there and say you're 100% sure that you're going to heaven. Well, listen to what the Bible says. And I base it upon what the Scripture teaches. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit. That what? We're children of God. That the Holy Spirit bears witness with my spirit. That, that I have something in common with Him. And, and, and He just confirms to my witness and to my spirit that I am a child of the living Lord. Oh, whoa, how precious that is. But thirdly, thirdly, there's the witness of revela- uh, not only revelation, the, re- the witness of reliability, but the witness of relationship. Look what the Bible says in verse 11. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. The witness of the Holy Spirit always points to the Lord Jesus Christ. Always. I hear a lot about people talking about, come and we're going to have a Holy Spirit experience and we're going to speak in tongues and we're going to uh, see people healed and we're going to see this and that. And my friend, I want you to understand what the Holy Spirit is interested in. He's not interested in speaking in tongues, and he's not interested in signs and wonders. He's interested in pointing people to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is his focus, pointing people. And the witness is God's eternal life is found in his eternal son. And the Bible reminds us there in verse 12 that if you don't have the son, friend, you don't have the life. You're a walking dead man. You say, wait a minute, I'm 
living, I'm breathing. I'm not talking about physically, but I'm talking about spiritually. You're dead. But you can be alive. Jesus Christ is to your spirit, is to what your blood is to your body. You remove the blood out of your body, you're dead. You remove the Spirit of God out of you, you're dead. So when Christ comes into my life, the Spirit of God comes into my life. And He is the one that gives me eternal life. But there's a third assurance. Not only the work of the Savior, not only the witness of the Spirit, but also the word of the scriptures. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 13. These things. Underline that. These things. I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Did you realize that this Bible is your affidavit? This Bible is your birth certificate? It is through the Word of God that gives us that assurance and that assurance that we have everlasting and eternal life. Now, what is the basis of that assurance? The Bible says these things. John says, I have taken black ink and put it on white paper and that for one reason that you might know that you have eternal life. I think it's interesting. John himself wrote the gospel. And there in the gospel, in 21 chapters, he's trying to convince you to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. After he wrote the Gospels, then he wrote the epistle of 1 John. Five chapters. He's not trying to convince you to accept Jesus, but he's trying to confirm and give you assurance of your salvation. So he gives us that basis of assurance. Charles Spurgeon said something that I think is very interesting. He says a man can know that he's alive even if he can't remember his birthday. My friend, I think it's great if you know the time, the place, and the date, and the hour when you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. But did you know you can still be saved if you can't remember all those things? I can't remember the exact date. I know the place. I know the setting. I know the situation. But I can't remember the date. I can't remember the exact time. The exact hour. But I remember the setting. Well, if a man can't remember, well... Does that mean that he, if he died, does he go to heaven? Well, of course he does. Well, let me give you an example. A man gets saved, called to preach, and he preaches the gospel, but he's in a terrible automobile accident, 
and he has a terrible injury to his head, and he's lost conscious, and he can't remember. But then later on, he dies. Did that man go to heaven? Absolutely. My friend, I want you to understand, it's based upon assurance of the Word of God. The affidavit that through that experience that I have Christ as my Savior. But all the blessings, all the blessings of assurance. Next to salvation, the most important thing in your life is to be sure and to know that you know that you know that you know that Christ is your Lord and your Savior. I hear people talking about second blessing. My friend, my second blessing is, is that I, I didn't get it all the first time that I'm just continuing to reap all the blessings of God that He wants to have me to have in the very beginning. The Bible says assurance not only brings joy to our salvation, but it brings joy to our service. I am so grateful as a child of God that I have that assurance of my salvation. And because of that, I want to serve. I want to live for the Lord. I want to be a witness for God. That's why we have things here at the church for opportunities for you to serve. To do something now, as the Bible talks about, or we talk about, of experiencing, of sharing the gospel throughout the world. Heard a story one time. That when they began to build the Golden Gate Bridge, that more than ten men lost their lives falling from that Scaffolds as they were building that Golden Gate Bridge. They decided to try to remedy the situation. And so they began to put a safety net underneath that bridge. It cost more than $100,000. But it was well worth it because they saved 10 lives later on. But then they began to really evaluate that net that was underneath that bridge. And they discovered that 25% more of the work was being accomplished during this time than when they didn't have the net. I thought, wow. If I had to go around wondering and doubting my salvation all the time, I wouldn't be much of service to the Lord. But I've got a safety net, my friend. And that safety net is the Holy Spirit of God. He has sealed me until the day of redemption. And there is nothing 
that anyone, even the devil, or even I myself can do to undo what Christ has already done. So I want to serve Him. I want to live for Him. I want to tell people about Him and be a witness. Oh, John, thank you for reminding us of these precious assurances of our salvation. Lord Jesus, your word speaks to us each and every time we open it. For it has a direct message to us in our time of need. Lord, there are some people, no doubt, have been Christians for years and they've never, ever had that eternal assurance. Constantly doubting. Satan constantly bringing doubt in their minds. And therefore, it has hindered the growth of their spiritual life. But today, I pray that through John, that we can nail those things down, and from this point on, that we can go and say, I know that I know that I know I have eternal life through the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, there may be someone here today And certainly there is that great, great possibility that have never accepted you and received you. And they don't have the witness of the Spirit because they never invited Him into their life. But today, He's knocking on their heart's door, wanting to come in. And to give them the free gift of eternal life. I pray, Father, that you will give them the boldness, the opportunity to give their life to you in a very special way. Oh, Holy Spirit, speak and work as only you can in this hour of need. In Jesus we pray. Amen.